Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together about twice a week and we chop it up about God's word to bring that to you to encourage and help equip you in your walk. This week, we've got Sean Duncan. Hello, Sean. What's up, Chris? So glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I have sure been enjoying our our little romp through Second Timothy. Yes. <laughs> so where are we at today? Today, we'll be in chapter two still, and we're going to look at verses 20 through 26. Okay. Do you want to read them? Sure. I'd be happy to. Sweet. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from your youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish talk and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition." if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Great job. Nailed it. It's like you grew up reading English. (laughs) I trained for this moment. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever heard of Maurizio Catalan? No. I'm surprised you're Maurizio. an artist. You're, you're an artist. Wow, I am that's an artist. So offensive for Italians, <laughs> of which I am one. Chris, just kidding. <laughs> I do that in my head too. Maurizio Catalan. Anyway, he, he's an Italian artist. He's sculpt, sculptist. Sculptist? That sculptor? Sculpt. That doesn't sound. That doesn't right feel right either. A, a sculptizio. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's an Italian guy who he's an Italian guy who makes sculptures. Yeah. That's his art. Yes. Uh, and he did this uh, this art piece. It's satirical okay. and it's participatory. Like you participate in the art. Okay. And it's satire and it's called America. I'm not making a statement. I'm just curious about his art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he made this entire sculpture a sculpture out of 18 karat gold. Whoa. And it's a fully functional toilet <laughs> oh no <laughs> doesn't like castro have one of those or? oh I, yeah I, I ended up googling uh golden toilets and you can like buy golden toilets off of the internet for, oh my gosh for a, a few thousand dollars yeah um but yeah and varying degrees of carrots of, of gold but yeah this guy made he made the sculpture it's a fully functional toilet flushes and everything you can pee in it you can poop in it so it's participatory in that way oh no and it's satirical it's called america i'm guessing he's like making like some i don't know some statement about how like it looks really valuable it's i don't know maybe like flashy and valuable on the outside but but full of poop on the inside i don't know yeah but it really i always think about it when i read this text Uh because of the metaphor that paul uses at the very beginning he says in a great house like a huge mansion maybe Maurizio catalan's house (laughs) There's not only vessels or or containers of gold and silver. Uh, this is the the sub, the material that they're made out of. Mm-hmm. There's not only vessels made out of gold and silver, but also out of wood and clay. Some are are made for honorable use, 
and others for dishonorable use. This is why I always think of the golden toilet. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, now, I'm not, I don't think Paul is actually saying, I mean, maybe he is, but uh, I don't think he's saying that like the dishonorable use is like, hey, this is what you poop in and what you pee in. Maybe yeah. though. I, I think it's probably more like, you know, when you go to grandma's house and she has um, the china cabinet and for the yeah. holidays, she takes out the china. Like That's mm-hmm. the honorable use stuff. But then the everyday plates, that's the dishonorable stuff. Like that's not what you're bringing out for like the fancy meals and the fancy guests. Right. So he's creating this, this contrast. Some vessels are made out of really expensive stuff. Others are made out of uh, not expensive stuff, dirt and wood. Yeah. Some vessels are made for honorable use, really nice things. You carry the nice things. Some for unhonorable use. Which one would you want to be, Chris? Oh, you know, I would love to be, I think, honorable use. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and think about that. In a really nice house, that'd usually be what's made out of gold and silver. Right. But he's going to twist the metaphor a little bit. Mm. Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So you notice that it's not the material that the vessel is made out of, mm-hmm. but it is what is in the vessel that makes it honorable or dishonorable. Interesting. So, so he he's really he he's really twisting his metaphor right now, um, which is also really comforting because mm-hmm. this means that the clay and wooden vessel can be honorable right but what needs to happen is the dishonorable contents needs to be um, cleansed or washed out so that it can be filled with what is honorable for an honorable use yeah we'll come back to that sound good yeah okay let's keep on so we're thinking okay yeah i want to be help ready for every good work and i want to be useful to the master i want to be holy i want to be i want to be a vessel for honorable use then he says so Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So with that metaphor that he was using, he, he says that if, if you want to be honor, for honorable use and useful to the master, ready for every good work, you need to cleanse. They need to cleanse themselves. And, and in that way, they'll be set apart as holy. And the idea of it being cleansed, also being holy, when we merge those words together, a good word that captures all that is purity. Mm-hmm. And, and what follows here in verses 22 through 26 is, is really, he's talking about purity of life and purity of doctrine. Hmm. Those two things mm-hmm. go go hand in hand, and that's what's driving this text. Um, so he talks a little bit about purity of life. In verse 22, he says, flee youthful passions, pursue, and then he lists five things. The, the fleeing youthful passions, it's not just like fleeing from sexual lust, uh, but it's more than that. It's not less than that, yeah. but it's more than that. I always think of the story of Joseph when Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. He doesn't hold a prayer meeting. Yeah. He runs he gets away. Gone. He gets yeah. cooking, man. He's like, out of there. <laughs> He's like, not today. He, not then, today. then he ran, runs a t- 10 flat, 100 meter dash. It's crazy. <laughs> it says it in the Hebrew. He just, <laughs> no, just kidding. So, so he bolts out of there. So he runs away. So useful passions. It's not just sexual lust. It's also, it, 
it's really the idea of of living on impulse mm-hmm. where your desires are what drive your decisions um, instant gratification you do things to satisfy your momentary desires so um, to the person who has ever maybe made plans with someone a week out and then and then it's the night before and they're like well, I don't really want to hang out with that person anymore and then they cancel those plans mm-hmm. that's youthful passions yeah. you're 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 living in that moment on impulse because in the moment you don't really want to do it so you just decide not to do it even though you said you would have coffee with them the next yeah. morning. Um, so that's what Paul's saying to flee from. But when you're running away from something, you have to run towards something. So the thing you run towards or pursue, he says is righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Righteousness here, he's meaning like the quality uh, that enables right relationship among mm-hmm. people. Uh, with faith, he's talking about like the uh, faithfulness and the faith. So you perf- pursue the, the Christian faith, but you pursue being faithful mm-hmm. in it. When he says love, uh, talking about uh, Christ's love being in us, and then and then Christ living through us to love to love our others, and then peace is like, it's just like harmony. Like when you hear a piano chord or a guitar chord, it, it's harmony. There's not dissonance. There's mm-hmm. not conflict. There's harmony, and I think that makes a lot of sense with what he says at the very end. He says, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So he says you need to pursue these things with other people. Mm-hmm. You can't pursue godliness apart from God's people. <laughs> you, you can't obey this verse without being in Christian community. Isn't that crazy? That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way. Yeah. Uh, the, the meta, the animal metaphor for a Christian is not a snow leopard. It's a sheep. <laughs> You're not a lone ranger. Yeah. You're a sheep and sheep thrive in flocks. And yeah. when they go off on their own, they die. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we actually pursue godliness together mm-hmm. and we can't do it apart from the people of God. So, so he, here he's talking about um, this pursuit of, of purity of life in, in how we live. And then he goes on and talks about um, not being quarrelsome, but kind. This is just like the idea, like you walk in a, into a room and rather than trying to fight people either physically or verbally, you're just like friendly to people mm-hmm. and you're welcoming the outsider and making them feel at home. He talks about being uh, patiently enduring evil in verse 24. And I think what he's, he's getting at here is taking the insult or, or the blame without defending yourself. Mm-hmm. So for Timothy, he's a pastor elder in Ephesus. Um, maybe people say, oh, he's not my favorite preacher. Or like he, he's not very, he's not a great pastor or, you know, he really hurt my feelings that one time. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul's telling him, if you're really innocent, just endure it. You don't need to defend your own character. Instead, just endure. If it's actually a wrong accusation, just embrace it and endure it. Because Jesus suffered even though he was innocent. And recognizing that helps us be able to suffer as well. Mm-hmm. And he also says that uh, in, in this um, pursuit of purity of life, that in verse 25, to be gentle. Um, gentle is the idea of like restrained power. It's not, it's not being um, weak. Yeah. It's not being weak. And it's not also, it also isn't being soft in tone. I think at least culturally, when we say, when we say gentle talking about speech, we mean soft. So here I'm going to do my, my gentle voice. Hey Chris, how you doing? I hate that. Yeah. I know you hate it because it's right in your ear, but you know, we might equate this just gentle conversation NPR. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what biblical gentleness is. Biblical gentleness is is restrained power, and gentleness is acting to 
to heal rather than to harm. Mm -hmm. Jesus was gentle all the time. He is gentle and lowly in heart. It's part of his his core identity Mm -hmm. and nature is that he's gentle. And Jesus flipped tables and he made whips and drove people out. And even in those moments, even when he's calling the hypocrites, uh, when the the Pharisees hypocrites, he's gentle in those Mm -hmm. moments. So I like to think about um, a chiropractor. If you've ever gone and gotten adjusted by a chiropractor, they're like kind of violent at first. Like (laughs) all of a sudden it's like, wham! And you're like, boom, 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 boom. You're like, oh. Can't feel my legs. (laughs) Hopefully that's not your experience with a chiropractor. But by looking at it, it might seem violent. Yeah. But actually it's so controlled Mm -hmm. because they're they're manipulating your body to to heal you. And although in the moment it might be like almost almost scary and hurt, it's they're popping a shoulder back in or they're cracking your neck. And to do that wrong would lead to death. But they're doing it correctly. So um, like a chiropractor, you using strength, Mm -hmm. um, but controlled strength for the good and healing of someone. That is what being gentle is. That's what Timothy's being told he needs to do. And that's, that's a sense of purity of, of life, to be gentle, to, to control strength and to act for the good and the healing of people rather than using your strength to hurt someone. Right. Totally different thing. Mm-hmm. So although someone's tone might, uh, I can talk like this, Chris, and be so mean to you. <laughs> That's like, true. I, yeah. I, I could just be like, Chris, your glasses, you four eyes, freckled person <laughs> with tattoos. And all of a sudden, like I'm like insulting you, yeah. even though my voice is soft mm-hmm. and quote unquote gentle, but it's actually not gentle. So uh, uh, from there, uh, that's the purity of life stuff. But he also has focus on purity of doctrine because also in verse 23, he says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Mm-hmm. Have nothing to do. With, he's like, reject any of these controversies. And and foolish, ignorant, it's like, um, the word ignorant is like uneducated. So stupid and dumb arguments yeah. have nothing to do with them. I, I told the college students, this is my time on TikTok when I when, when Christian talk pops up mm-hmm. and someone's like, the first word of the Bible is Bereshit and the and the bait in Hebrew means house and the sheen <laughs> mean, means wrath. And they, they start like just doing. Yeah. It's like, it's like the moment I hear them, I'm like, oh, this is an uneducated argument. Yeah. This is so, and, and I, Chelsea and I, we lay in bed at night and we spend 10 minutes on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's our, it's our pillow talk. <laughs> it's like your, talk yeah. your little, yeah, it's just like, little treat you, know, you give yourself. And, and usually, usually we find ourselves on like Christian TikToks and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it'll be like 10, with 10 seconds in, I'll be like, oh, this is so stupid. I, I know where they're going and it has no, no ground, no, value no, no validity. This mm-hmm. is silly. But I know that because I've spent time being educated mm-hmm. in what's right and in what's wrong. Yeah. I go through the comment section of those videos and people eat it up. Yeah. So if you were ever, listener, if you were ever to reject foolish and ignorant controversies, how would you know that they're foolish and ignorant if you don't know what's right and you don't know what's wrong? So right. you have to spend time studying right doctrine. Yeah. And I think it is interesting just coming off the tail end of the last two episodes mm-hmm. and how those were so central to quarrels, doctrinal yep. quarrels with yeah. the church. Yeah. Yeah. Philetus and Hymenaeus, mm-hmm. those busters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he goes, he goes on. There's, there's a few more purity of, of doctrine statements. Um, in verse 24, he, he's talking about the servant of God, a, an elder pastor and how they, they need to be able to teach. Well, being able to teach 
you can't teach one to be able to teach. You need to understand something, but then you have to understand something quite a bit to actually be able to articulate it to someone. Yeah. So I think as a pastor, I need to be able to articulate doctrine and um, information about scripture on a different level than um, an everyday Christian. Like, for example, I know off the top of my head what Leviticus 18 is about. You, you don't need to know that. Uh, I know off the top of my head what, what the significance of the one in 50 and the one in 500 uh, offerings in Numbers 31 given to the Levites and given to the priests is about. You don't need to know that. Sean, you're so fun at parties. <laughs> For real. Uh, <laughs> no, you are fun at parties. <laughs> but there are some things that every Christian needs to know, mm-hmm. not just in a way they understand it, but they should be able to articulate it. Here's some examples. Every Christian... Uh, should know gospel doctrine like this. All should be able to articulate what the gospel is. Every Christian should be able to explain justification and how it's by faith and not by works because mm-hmm. it's essential to the gospel. Every Christian should be able to articulate the relationship between repentance and faith and works. And every Christian should be able to explain the hope that we have as Christians of the resurrection and the new creation. And we should all be able to do that as Christians from scripture. Yeah. Not just be like, well, Pastor Sean once said that our hope is resurrection. No, you should be able to turn to first Corinthians 15, like know where to turn to mm-hmm. and be like, look, this is what I'm hoping for. It's, it's an imperishable body from what is perishable. It's an honorable body from what is unhonorable and, and be able to walk through that and maybe explain to a non-believer or someone who disagrees with you, mm-hmm. your position. And also in regards of, of purity of doctrine in verse 25, he says, correcting opponents. To be able to correct an, an opponent, if someone's presenting a counter argument, um, when it comes to logic and argumentation, to be able to refute an argument, you actually need to know the argument and know where it breaks down. Right. Uh, so there is a little bit of an apologetic there. We need to know the other worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you're going to ever do this well, you can't live in a cave and only think about your own Christian doctrine. You need to think about you know, why are people getting sidetracked with false gospels like the prosperity gospel? Mm -hmm. What is the prosperity? Why is it wrong? What is legalism? Why is it wrong? And be able to see the fine details and where where it breaks down. So so purity of doctrine is far more than just believing the right thing. It's knowing why it's right and knowing why the other things are wrong. And although we might have different concentric circles of, of how much we need to know depending on our our role within the church, there are some things that we should just like absolutely all know. Yeah. So uh, all this, this purity in life and in doctrine, it's not for nothing. In verse uh, 25 and 26, it actually has a purpose. He says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. In other words, purity paves the way for repentance. Mm -hmm. Your purity, Chris, my purity in both our life and our doctrine, it it helps pave the way for someone else to to repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus. Yeah. Uh, It's not a hard, fast rule. Like if I'm pure, then people will be saved around me. And also it's not the inverse where it's like, well, if you don't leave a lead a pure life in 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 uh if you don't live in purity, both life and doctrine, then no one's gonna be saved around you. But it's more likely yeah. that if you walk the walk and you talk the talk, that people will understand the truth themselves. They'll repent of their sin. They'll place their faith in Jesus, the Lord and Savior. So your purity is not just for you. It's for those around you so that perhaps maybe 
they would find forgiveness for their sins. Just yeah. Like you have. Yeah. We talked about the means mm-hmm. um, a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. about how we are used as the means. We have yeah. agency yep. and yeah. sharing the good news. Yeah. So now to bring it full circle back to the illustration mm-hmm. that he was using, you know, the, there's, there's the, the golden vessel of poop. <laughs> then, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so in that whole illustration, it turns out the thing that makes something honorable and dishonorable is not the material that's made of, but what it carries. Right. And in verse 21, he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, becomes a vessel for honorable use. Mm-hmm. It requires, in the, in the metaphor itself, the illustration, it is internal cleansing. Yeah. Chris, can you cleanse your insides? Can you cleanse your heart on your own? I can't. You can't. I can't. It's a very right and true answer. Yeah. My hands are dirty. <laughs> Our hands are dirty and, and we cannot perform open heart surgery on ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and yet we need to have our heart cleansed. So the answer to all of this, becoming a vessel for honorable use, is the gospel itself. Mm-hmm. That, that Christ died for us so that uh, he, as he pours out water from his side and living water that could satisfy our soul, cleanses us of all of our impurities and in ephesians 5 it says that we are washed and cleansed with the word of god mm-hmm. the good news of the gospel so it is the gospel itself this good news that god has done for me what i could never do for myself in the person of jesus through his life death and resurrection that actually cleanses me of all the impurities internally mm-hmm. and makes me useful for god and makes me capable of good works and makes me holy and makes me a vessel for honorable use. And the honorable use is from my heart going forth to others through my life and my doctrine. Yeah. I think that'll preach, Sean. Oh, it did. <laughs> <laughs> it totally did. <laughs> that sermon slapped. You can just ask the college yeah. students. So I would just say, Christian, dear Christian, Christ cleanses you. And if Christ has cleansed you, you are pure. So be pure. Mm-hmm. You are pure, so be pure in both your life and your doctrine. I love it. What a good reminder for all of us in whatever stage of life we're in, mm-hmm. that he's faithful and, and the gospel is the means to our own purity and other people's hope. Yeah. Well, Sean, um, we finished up chapter two. We did. Hot dog. I know. We're cooking. We're cooking. We got, what do we got? One more chapter in this? Two more. Two three, more chapters. Three and four. Yeah. We'll, we'll pick up the speed a little bit too. Sweet. Yeah. Well, it's been great. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's been fun. We'll get you next time. Thanks, bro. Thanks. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. 